Hey, Greg. All righty, Dan. Hey, nice to meet you virtually. Nice to nice to meet you too. <laughs> it's 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 more real than just the message contact. So yeah, see, I mean, that's why. I know I've I've freaked out just just a couple of my guests where I'm like, oh, I usually do a video call, and they're like, video call? Oh no, my hair! I'm like, that's not really the point. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, and my hair is always perfect, so I, I didn't even worry about it. Your hair is great, I'll tell you. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's it's the best hair I've got. Hey, it's rock and roll hair. It's uh, it's something. It's honest at this point. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, in her crate for a couple hours, so hopefully she's not tip tapping around. Uh, new flooring in my studio, and I'm discovering that it's uh, her nails are louder on it than they were on the dumb linoleum that was here. <laughs> like the floor's nicer. Yeah. But she's like, I, I, I don't have a problem with dogs, as my mud may attest to. Oh, hey, would you mind? I like taking a picture of my guests sometimes. You know, just like a screenshot of us on the call. Would that be okay with you? Get that mug yeah, sure. In there? All right, that mug is great. Get that mug and my mug. Three, a mug two, off. one. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a great mug. I love that. Oh yeah, see, she's a. Oh, there we go. What kind of, what kind of dog? See, Let me I see the dog. The landing there. Yeah, she's a very distant dog. Is the kind of dog. Yes. I can't quite make her out. Well, let's take. Let's. Ah, there was no dog at all. Come on. Uh, uh, she's a fast dog. I will give her that. Which, as far as we know, she is not. Uh -huh. DNA test came back. We know her mom is an Australian Shepherd, and they're fairly fast. For they are very energetic, too. Yes, and her dad was a mutt of some kind, apparently. Her mom was a farm dog and, you know, some wandering dog. Mm -hmm. you know, right? Uh -oh. dad and was uh, so she's German Shepherd Lab, Aussie German Lab, and then maybe we didn't pay for a good enough DNA test. Mixed breeds for the twenty three percent left. So who knows? Yeah, she looks pretty small for that uh, that combo, but yeah, that she, can well, happen. she's definitely the size of her mom. She's Australian Shepherd height. She's not German Shepherd. Okay, maybe. she's yeah. like female Australian Shepherd size. I th I'd say is about right. Okay. She's got the German Shepherd look with the ears and the color. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people are like, oh, is that a baby German Shepherd? I'm like, not really. Partly German Shepherd, but she's two and a half and a handful. Oh, yeah. Still a puppy. Yeah. Oh, uh, I almost forgot here. Sorry. An email is reminding me I was uploading a very long file for the Someone Keeps Moving My Chair episode. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's about to come out. Someone Keeps Moving yeah. My Chair. Yeah. Did I play on that? I don't remember. Well, the the Mr. Drum Machine played on it initially. Oh, okay. I'm sure, you must have played it at some point, right? Yes, that's right. But Got that, I always like the nice three against two. Someone keeps. That, oh, that's right. Yes. That that was fun to play. Yeah. Yeah, I love that one. I love that. That tricky stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about drum stuff. Talking to. Brian was great. I talked to J.D. Feinberg last. I mean, that was last spring. But on record, the only thing he plays on is that O. Tenenbaum. You know, he was only in the band for right. that one tour in between yeah. Apollo and John Henry. Yeah. So the only thing he's on, he's doing, he's stirring the soup. He's doing like a little jazzy brushes thing. Oh, wow. Um, 
the O Tannenbaum single. But that's the yeah. one song he got to record, and then he went on the USA Japan tour between. Yeah, when they were very first, he was the first human drummer drumming the Apollo 18 songs uh, before wow. Brian came in. Well, that's that's a claim to fame. Yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, he went on to play with some other notable bands, but he's actually a computer, uh, he's a software designer. Um, he worked for, was it? He, he got like a dream job at Google post drummering. So, <laughs> oh, good for him. It all worked out. Yeah. And he lives in Lincoln, Massachusetts. Uh, coincidentally. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> right. I, I live in, did, did you know I live in Mink? I live in Mink Car, New York. Yeah. L- and you've got a um, silver, fact I just a, made a silver up. chauffeur. And a, um a guitar what is all the other ones i I love that song you know and we're good i mean we got to talk at length about mink car because stuff. um well we could we could just get to that so <laughs> this is through this is hosted through punknews.org so there's a lot of i've been finding a lot of punk rockers that are like you know to me they might be giants are basically a post-punk new wave band you know there's punk aesthetics absolutely and and we will talk about on rest a while that is a punk song as far as i'm concerned oh yeah and so i'm finding all these people that love the band and want to come on and talk about it so it's this cool cool thing where i get to talk to someone a musician i admire talking about other musicians that i admire it's a cool kind of uh kind of cycle i've gotten in and then people keep giving me contacts like you know you wanted to come on after you drummers had your you know that photo you guys took at the Daryl's house yeah. show that was yes. that was awesome to see and now i talked to brian and it's just amazing and now i've and i talked to marty a year ago so i've now had Damn all cool. all of the drummers on an episode and as a drummer who grew up on all of you guys through the years you know i became a i became a fan right after apollo so all the human drummers i followed <laughs> the band all of you guys and what you brought to the table and just uh you know human drummers are my favorite Human drummers, you know, they're, they're real to real, you know, it's kind of cool in a robotic way, but... I, I, I strive to someday become a real human drummer. <laughs> Dan Hickey's actual drums. Uh, <laughs> we can talk about that, too. So, let me, I don't know, maybe I'll keep some of that in, why not, but... I, it felt like we started. Let me go ahead and say yeah. the proper, okay. the proper intro. Yeah, okay, let's do it. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time, They Might Be Giants. I am your host, Greg Simpson, as always, and I'm joined by yet another special, special guest, a drummer, a past drummer of They Might Be Giants, Mr. Dan Hickey, and he picked the song Rest a While off the Working Undercover for the Man EP. So here we go. Jackets and coats I threw out all of my pants I got sick of my stinking clothes I had to get rid of them I'm not yet considering replacing them I'm only glad to be rid of them And rest a while, rest a while I lay out in the sun too long And burned off all of my skin I felt so dizzy I got into the car and got into an accident Out of the burning wreckage I fell Wanting only to lay where I fell And rest a while, rest a while 
again. Hey, Greg. <laughs> Hello again. We haven't been talking for seven minutes. Hello in semi-person. <laughs> yeah, this, um, it's just been surreal. When I started this thing, it was a year from, uh, so Thanksgiving, basically Thanksgiving Day was the one year anniversary of the podcast. So yeah. it hasn't been going all that long. And the fact that I've had Marty on, I've had Danny Weinkoff on yeah. three times. Um, Mr. Red Pants. J- yes, Mr. Red Pants himself, J.D. Feinberg. Uh, Brian, his episode has not been released, Brian Doherty, and now you, and it's been amazing, and I never thought that this, like, a fan podcast, you know, a fanboy could, like, wrangle all, like, the dudes who were in, you know, in the band, were in the band, people that were on these songs that I love, so thank you so much for, oh, uh, you're very welcome. coming Th- on. Thanks for, thanks for asking and re- asking repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I'm persistent, you know, if nothing else. <laughs> I, it, it, it was necessary to coax me into it because I, I don't know that I have anything to say. And we'll find out if that's true or not shortly. Well, the fact we've been talking for 10 minutes before, we're like, hey, we should start the episode, I think, <laughs> indicates that, yes, we have something to say together. You know, like I said, yeah. it's a conversation. So we'll we'll just talk it out and have fun and. Excellent. You know, I can always slice and dice stuff later if we're like, ah, that part wasn't really relevant or made any sense. I could cut it out. Yeah. It's not live. Okay. It's not radio. Oh. So. I was hoping. Is my dog coming through the microphone? Can you hear her? I can. Loud and clear. And, it, and it's beautiful. I, I, I've got no problem with uh, dog sound effects. Dogs singing in the background. I can put a gate plug in on my vocals, but I prefer if I'm not having to trim out dog whining. I think the cat's up. We have a gate. Yeah. We have, a, we have a young daughter, and we also don't want the dog down in the studio with all... I'm recording drums right now, so the floor is... This. Uh, it looks like a floor should. Yeah, right? As, with uh, mic, mic cables as one can everywhere. See. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we have a gate up there, and I think our cat is probably prancing around like, ha you can't get me. Oh. Okay. That yeah, age so, old struggle. Oh, right, cats and dogs. Um, I meant gates dog. and dogs. Yeah, gates and, dogs. gates and dogs. She, she could easily jump over it if she wasn't coming from up the stairs. Ah, so if, yes. If she wanted to, she could probably jump down and then probably end up doing a somersault down the stairs. Leela, you need to go in your crate. <laughs> I yeah, I may have to crate her. I don't want to because she's been all day. So I'll, I'll give her a couple minutes. Okay. So I yes. think let's start with just some. I mean, I got to know how you came to be the drummer of They Might Be Giants. Of course, you know, having just talked to Brian mm-hmm. and hearing his story. Yeah, He picked a perfect song. Um, I'm not sure if yours will come out uh, before his or not. I record a ton and then release them as yeah. uh, makes sense. But he picked The Bells Are Ringing, which was perfect. And he called it um, the marching snare at the end of Bells Are Ringing. He's like, that's... My marching snare, I'm marching off into the distance, saying my goodbye to They Might Be Giants. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's kind of perfect, because uh, Rest yeah. a While I, very well could be the first song I recorded with They Might Be that's Giants. What it sa- that's what it says on the wiki, which is fairly infallible. <laughs> he, was, he was marching off as I was pounding my way in, I guess. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to crank this snare up so tight mm-hmm. that it's just going to pop some eardrums. And uh, we'll we'll get to the song proper, and I definitely want to okay. hear all about that kit and 
from what I've heard from my listeners, they like the the nitty gritty, the tech details, the music theory stuff. I worried when I first started this that you know, as a music teacher, a guy who took theory, conducting all the dorky classical stuff. Oh, good for you. Um, as well as lessons in everything. Um, that I was getting too like heady or something, but yeah. I've gotten really good feedback about that kind of stuff. Oh, cool! And, you know, I got you here talking. I might as well, if I'm talking to a drummer, might as well talk about the drums. Why right? not? So, <laughs> so let's Leah, let's talk about first just your history with the band and get a little bit on that. So, as as rest of wild, it does say here. Let's see. I think this is a quote from okay from TMBG.com back in the day. Uh, for Restwell, quote, this is a highly rocking track which really spotlights an extraordinary rhythm section. This is the very first recording we did with Dan Hickey and probably the last we did with bass legend Graham Maybe, the mega bass power behind new waver Joe Jackson before he got scooped away by Natalie Merchant. Uh It was also one of the first sessions we did at at Coyote Studio and there was a very fun and easy vibe around this session. So, according to the official website, this was the first one. I have no reason to doubt that. But I can can neither (laughs) confirm nor deny those as facts. (laughs) This this is exactly what Brian said. He's like, not going to lie, some memories might be a little bit fuzzy. It's it's been a while. (laughs) This this band has been around for quite some time. I know, even talking to Marty, like, the episode I did with him was, like, two hours long, and it was a drummer. It was just focused. It wasn't a song episode. It was, like, a special episode where we talked about even him starting to play drums at, like, age nine or whatever, you know? And so it went for a while before we even got to the Giants. But then we got to the Giants, and I'm like, you know what? I mean, coming on, he talked about filling in for you at a show or two. Right. And then eventually becoming a full member of the band. And I'm like... That was, when I talked to him last year, I'm like, that was 16 years ago. I mean, that's, like, that's... That's what it was, I mean, like, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm 38, so I would have been, you know, like, Mink Car was my jam because it came out in college. I was mm-hmm. living in the dorms. I could pump the music loud as I wanted. <laughs> so that, I mean, that album holds a special place for me. And yeah. uh, my roommate at the time, who was also a bandmate and is v- very into They Might Be Giants, because I forced him to listen to you guys so much. Uh, but Minkar is a big album for us. And I think let's just start. So we're talking about Marty joining the band. Let's back up to when you joined the band. Bells okay. are ringing. Last sounds we ever heard on a TMBG track. Drumming from he ends the album with the snare hit, that huge reverb. And Brian Doherty is, leaves the band. How did you come to be the drummer of They Might Be Giants? Because I honestly don't really know. Well, I did play with Joe Jackson in yes. the early 90s, so I met Graham at that point. And when Brian was leaving, Graham let me know that they were auditioning drummers and asked if I'd be interested. And I was. There you go. It's all about networking connections, right? It's, yeah. uh, it, it, it helps to know people. And for That's them, how I keep getting... Yeah, that's how I keep getting you awesome guys on the podcast, because yeah. I get one awesome guy, and chances are it leads me to some awesome gal or awesome guy, and uh, then I'm having all these awesome guests on, and it gets pretty uh, mind-blowing to me. So, yeah, so let's see. I'm looking at the wiki. It's it's funny. When I went over it with, like, Marty and Danny, they're like, wait, I have a page on the wiki? I'm like, yeah, of course you do, and you do as well. Uh-oh. And it has a nice still of you from the Dr. Worm video, which... 
I want to ask you about that because Zach Alford, who I don't know anything about, is the guy that played drums on the track. I believe yes. it's the only Giants track he ever played on. That is true. Um, so was that recorded in like a weird in between between Brian and you, or why? No, that why was, was it? that was while I was in the band. Um, we tried to record that song, and it just didn't go all that great. And we never got anything from it. And next thing I knew, they had recorded it with Zach. So uh, he's a great drummer. It's kind of weird. Did, was that did, was that like a hit to you? Is like, well, why did you do that? I mean, that seems a little odd. No. Uh, yeah, but uh, that's showbiz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's, that that sums it know, up. I mean, it's the John's band, and that's the you know. Yes, it it is right. it is their band. We serve at the pleasure of the Johns. Yeah, it so. seems to me that yeah that that's kind of the general rule of thumb is that whatever is best for the song. And honestly, I think, players, I think I think Zach did a great job on that song. I think that sounds freaking awesome. It sounds great, but I thought it was you for the longest time because the Doctor Worm video is one of my favorite videos, and you're in it. You know, drumming along to which Zach's is, parts, and you know, which is kind of great because Zach kind of really became famous for the B52s video of Love Shack because he's playing on the video. Oh, he didn't play on the record, what? <laughs> so it went both ways. Charlie Drayton played on the record, yeah, and Zach just <laughs> did the video. So it's totally fair that we we do this this shifting. Okay, you get known for that, even though the guy before you played it. So. <laughs> I, a, wow, I did not know that. There's some sort of synergy there. Yeah, this um and Love Shack was 80 wait. It was late 80s. Yeah. Maybe 88. We playing that we were playing that in pep band. I mean, I played yeah. trombone in school. Yeah. So that, and, that was a fun one. And another weird connection, I also after Joe Jackson, I and after Joe Cocker, I played with the B52s for a bit. Nice. So I got to play Love Shack. Aren't the, they on like their farewell tour, or they did a fair like they're I've said stop. farewell before, so yeah, they're still doing it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they could we, be. I hope we've not. heard that before. This is the last tour, and then ten years <laughs> yes. later, we we need money. Yes. This is the last tour. Yes, <laughs> and then the tour after that is well, all the original members are dead, but this is going to be the last <laughs> tour because now we're really celebrating them. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that. crazy. Just one little uh, personal story about the Dr. Worm video. I mean, first of all, I'd probably call Dr. Worm my favorite They Might Be Giant song, if you put hmm. a gun to my head. And It's a very popular song. You, you are not the only one. I'll have to send you a link to uh, my band, actually. We put out a... We're mostly originals, but we put out a covers album last year and covered that. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got two sax players in the band. We had horn parts. My wife, um, we met in band, of course. I play trombone on it. She plays trumpet, even though she's a French horn player. And I play accordion on it as well as the guitars. And we do, like, really obnoxious guitars in it and, like, a synth solo instead of the baritone guitar. I'll have to send you a link to that. It yeah. came out pretty awesome. But um, what I was saying about the video is I do with my first graders. This is the second year I've done a They Might Be Giants unit with my first graders. Just a short thing of kids' songs as well as some, like, we've done Mammal in the past. Um that one's proving a little bit too hard for this year's crop of first graders. It's yeah. a big, ra rowdy class. 
Um, but we're doing Dr. Worm, and they love it. And I brought my accordion to school today, and they love that. But the video, to them, even though it's not a kid's video, it's just so fun. Mm. You know, you've got the Johns, you know, just flailing around, doing their choreography with their hands over their faces and all the dancing. And the accordion's a great visual, too. But then it cuts to you drumming. Yes. And today, I'm like, I'm going to talk to that guy this afternoon. And they're like, what? <laughs> 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 you're gonna talk to that guy I'm like yeah his name's dan tell him i said hi yeah <laughs> i will and they're like you already talked to a guy named dan i'm like no that was danny danny <laughs> they know all about the podcast hopefully they don't listen to it it has the explicit symbol next to it uh-huh. uh, <laughs> i try to keep the episodes about kids songs a little more kid friendly in that, case i think that's a good thing to do right yeah so dr worm great song you are rocking it in the video, even though it's, you're not the one we're hearing. Still awesome. So um, so then the two albums that you're primary, primarily known for, the two main albums are Mink Car and No, mm-hmm. the first kid's album. Right. Um, so Mink Car, just before we, you know, we're jumping over the uh, EP that is at hand, but the um, Mink Car being, I guess, your one full length and it's a giant full length um adult full length and then one kid's full length that can't um, be my only full length i was you're on severe tire years. damage a little right yes well you're on all these like eps and did they not severe do tire damage oh yeah because they i know it, it's they release so much stuff right so even though you were only in is this correct? You are, it says on the wiki, 97 to 2003. That sounds right to me, right? Um, so if you go to the discography... Could be. Um, well, let's just double check. I don't want to yeah. get this wrong. Huh. Um, so we got... Well, in 97, the then collection came out, but that was all old stuff. Then we got Severe Tire Damage. Right. With doc- Dr. Worm, but you played on a handful of... Well, most most of the tracks on that because I know some were from the '94 show. Yeah. Oh, there's long, long tall weekend, which I think some long of that tall is weekend is. So we got long tall weekend. Um, well, severe tire damage. I think was a pretty major release, despite being a live album. It was pretty well. It was uh, lo- loved. And so that, that was so, a big long. So tour, basically, so. yeah. So you've got a live album, severe yeah. tire damage. You've got the f- the first giants download only album long tail weekend you've got uh the full length mink car and you've got the first kids album so there's a lot going on in there and a lot of kind of um them testing uncharted territory with like you know in in ni- 1999 putting out a download only album was a pretty gutsy move yeah and i think i mean me and my fault in kind of not that i forget about long tail weekend but some of them got redone for mink car you know, and put on the uh, They Got Lost B-Sides compilation. Like, I think the Giants themselves kind of realized, like, oh, I think some people missed out on that one. And me, I was in college, and I think my internet was not good enough, and I just didn't download it. I didn't get it for years. Huh. You know, it was just that era that, like, it was the most downloaded album of 1999, apparently, thanks to E-Music. Oh, but wow. uh, I think a lot of people missed out on it. But got cool stuff token back to brooklyn you know came up you know that was i'm looking at the track on factory yeah i'm not sure i played on that album now that i look at it this might be all older stuff 
Let's see. Drinking. Yeah. Drinking is Drinking Brian. might be me. Drinking on the wiki says Brian, but if you oh. can... Pr- if no, you I'm not certain of that. It, it, it gets really blurry because these songs, even if I didn't record them, I then played them many more times. So Right. She I, thinks she's Edith Head is you, and then that appears okay. again on Mink. That appears again on Mink Car. Right. Uh, maybe I know is yeah. It gets so weird in these transitional yeah. periods yeah, between members. We got Brian is on maybe I know. So the, so long tail weekend is kind of a mixed bag between you guys. All right. Sorry, I brought it up. No, no, that's <laughs> fine. I mean, I, as a guy I, who's I, I'm, I'm like, not really I, sorry. They no, don't be. It's confusing. <laughs> Uh, Brian's on Rant Patrol. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of split down the middle on Long Tall Weekend. It's just, uh, as a guy who's considered them my favorite band for a long, long time. Yeah. The fact that I can't be like, oh, you were on this, Brian was on this, you were on this. Like, it's just a testament to, again, like we said, that it's the John's band. If this song came out really well with Brian, mm-hmm. they're going to put it on the record. If it came out really well with you, they're going to put that on the record. I yeah. mean, right? Is that kind of the the vibe? <clears throat> yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then there's some songs that don't have any drums, like Counterfeit... Wait, Counterfeit Faker? Yeah. Anyway, Long Tail Weekend, I would consider part of your... I mean, it's part of your run. It came out when you were in the band, so you were drumming That's what it was. Yeah, live. we were playing those songs live. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and then the working undercover for the Manny P. We will get to that in depth, of course. Then, boss of me was huge, which I'm I'm not on the version that was on the show, but they they also (laughs) because that's a drum machine on that version. Oh my! Yeah, I've listened to so many versions of this. Yeah, no, that was that was was literally a demo that I think Flans put together like overnight. I, th- I think he heard that they were looking for a song, and he said, okay, I'll yeah. put something together, together, and they needed it right away. He sent it out, and they loved it. And, uh, yeah, as they should. <laughs> and as you may or may not know, we then did the incidental music for that show for right. for a couple years, I think. Yeah, and that's what, when I Which talked to Marty. A, yeah. Because he came in, the show was still going. Yeah, I so think he did some. Because he lived in the city. I was living up in Woodstock, so just logistically at times. Ah, if, if, Woodstock, eh? Peace and love, man. <laughs> um, and dogs. Yeah, a lot of lot more room up there, huh? Yes. So, yeah, so again, it, it's very confusing. But Boss Me is a great song. I was just watching the performance of it on... Um, I think this was you. The old TV stuff is just so grainy, and you're in the background... It's on the Tonight Show. Yeah. So Leno yes. with a crazy background. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. I, I did Leno with, and we did that song. Yes. And in right. fact, and I'm just like seeing a guy, a blurry guy with like, you know, darker hair that's kind of longer. Oh yeah, that was me. That could be Brian or Dan. I'm sure. It's, I'm sure it was Dan, but then I'm like, I don't know. I could be wrong. No, that I'm sure it was me because Boss and Me didn't exist till I was in the band. Guys are really counted a band from Brooklyn. They heard tonight performing the theme song from Malcolm in the Middle. The soundtrack comes out tomorrow. Uh, please welcome They Might Be Giants. Yes, 
So I just stare at the screen on the wall where the TV's been. But ever since we've moved in, it's been empty. That performance, though, is amazing. I was thinking about... That was fun. That was a fun song to play. I mean, live horns, anytime there's live horns on the giant stuff. And I love... Yeah, did we use their horn section or did we bring our own horns? That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Because, I mean, Kurt, Ram- Kurt Ram's their guy now. Right. Remember? Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember if... Uh, I cannot remember. Because um, I can recognize Dan... Levine, Levin or Levine? Levine. Yeah. Dan Levine. I can recognize him. He was not the trombonist. I know that for sure. Okay. They, they cl- did a close-up on the horns. Oh, okay. not him. as some other trombonist. And the trumpet player, I know like Mark Pender played on Dr. Worm, and then there were some other guys. I didn't recognize the trumpet player either. Okay. Um, but, yeah. I don't, but, yeah, the, the horns were great. And, I mean, the Tonight Show bands have always been very good. Yes, that was when Branford Marsalis was the band leader. Yeah. I think it was like the first year of Jay Leno's Tonight Show. First or second year. Because mm. Branford, right. Branford didn't do it long. And he was, right. he was always, he was already surprisingly jaded about the whole experience. <laughs> he, was, he was very cool to us, but he just, uh. he just looked like he wasn't thrilled with the idea of doing of being the band leader on a on a talk show. I bet it's really draining and I don't think you get as much credit as you should. And it's yeah, and it's it's very limited for someone with his talent. Yeah. So I think sure. I think it just wasn't yeah. wasn't the forum he needed. But he was great. Playing he was this. very cool to us. The whole band was really nice. That's good. It was, nice. It was yeah. a fine experience. Very cool. So then We'll get to, um, so then let's see, Boss Me, then the next, I'm just looking at the discography page because there are so many releases. Um, so then TMBG did this TMBG Unlimited thing that had like a ton of B-sides and all this other stuff, which is all different members. I don't right. think we need to go through that. It's, nope. it's just tons of stuff. I asked an So answer. then Mink, Mink Car, yeah, Mink Car coming out on 9-11 of all days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there were a lot of great albums that oh, came that was, out yeah, on then. Yeah, let's let's not get into all that. Those Tuesdays. Yeah, no, we don't need to talk about that. We were supposed to fly out of New York, and that's that's the way that tour started. Oh, so you had a flight that was that was canceled. Yeah. How many dates did you end up missing on that tour? Uh we played I think we played the Bowery Ballroom the night before. And so they okay. I was living in Woodstock by that time, so they put me up in a hotel and uh it became apparent before we went to the airport that no planes were going anywhere. So we, uh, actually what we did, because no planes were flying for a while, we, uh, we were supposed to fly to the West Coast, or Idaho, I think, and meet the tour bus. Instead, they had the tour bus start driving east, and we got in the John's cars, their two Crown Victorias, and started driving huh. west to meet the uh, tour bus somewhere in the middle of America. 
Wow. I think we only missed two dates because I think we had one then wow. a day off. So we got right on it. Yeah, because it's like people didn't know what to do. And I think the general consensus that a lot of artists, musicians, actors, that kind of stuff came to comedians was that, you know, we got to go on with the show. We can't let this, you know, yeah. that they they win if we stop our daily lives. So it sounds like you guys did the same. It's good to be doing something. Yeah. Uh, so Mink Car, like I said, was it just a huge album for me. Uh, the very the second episode. So this is going to be episode sixty five or sixty six of this podcast. We put out one every week, except see, I think I took two weeks off. Um, and number two was I've got a fang, uh-huh. and I love I've got a fang, and that's some sort of weird hybrid of you and drum machines, if I'm remembering correctly i mean it's like that sounds right it's a crazy song i i don't remember i haven't listened to it <laughs> in quite some time and uh <laughs> well the, po- and the podcast episode will tell you all about it. <laughs> I, i'll i'll watch it and i'll find out these things i should know yeah well i think it's you doing the or the one some part of it is human and some because it has you listed i'm looking at it right now it has you listed as as drums yeah um I believe but it also it. has percussion by uh louise chardim um programming by chris maxwell and phil hernandez yes. there's a whole bunch of stuff going yeah. on in that song okay <laughs> and that's the cool thing about the giants is that whatever serves the song the best whether it's a human drummer or they still use drum machine to this day do uh, that. They do what's oh, best for, for the song. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you listen to songs, especially on um, My Murdered Remains, which was, it collected all the 2018 Dial-A-Song stuff that didn't go on to I Like Fun. There's some really, really weird ones that remind me of early Giant stuff, mm-hmm. and there's some ones with some wacky drum machine stuff hmm. that just, you know, it's more bumping. You know, drum machine technology's come a long way. Yeah. You could tell. You could tell they still love the programming. And when I talked to Marty, he said, because I asked him, like, you know, if um, if there's a song that gets released on an album with Drum Machine, I said, are you the one doing the programming? Mm-hmm. He said, no, that's always the Johns. Yeah. And if they, if the band as a whole decides, you know, and the Johns decide, they bring the demo in, it's got a Drum Machine. They're like, you know what? Drum Machine's going to be it through to the final product. So well, and the the early really formative years of they might be giants they had a drum machine that was part of the sound and the vibe yeah and that was the uh, thing. there ain't nothing wrong with that yeah i think they like you know r- reminding you know i don't know if it's a nostalgia factor or just like what's best for the song like i said but even like when brian was in the band on factory showroom um your own worst enemy is almost like a duo era song where it's just drum machine simple keyboards some guitar you know it's kind of like throwback to the old school so yeah you know i think it happened with all drummers of every era that uh some songs they john's wanted drum machine still so yeah well i think often that happened because the demo they'd put together just really kind of captured it in a way that they figured well why why expand on that if it's kind of good the way it is and if it doesn't sound lacking why add right that's what marty said about his era i'd be like well you know, do you feel slighted at all that, you know, they're like, well, I think this one's better with a drum machine. He's like, no, because drum machines have their purpose and can do some crazy things. They can. And 
you know, most drummers like doing drum programming in some capacity, at least these days. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the fact that it's going to replace you. Robots taking over the world. Ro- Leela. But that... Your dog disapproves of that idea. I think so. She, she, she is says, dead set against robots. Yeah, human drummers forever. Thank oh, you, Lita. I don't know if that's my wife coming home or it's the neighbors. We share a driveway, which is a problem. Ah. Leela, we've lived next to these people for six years, and <laughs> she still she's, is concerned. She's welcoming them home, probably. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's one of the greatest uh, things about dogs. Thanks the, for protecting us, dog. The greeting. Yeah, yeah, and she will jump up and lick you in the face. She likes. She's a kisser. Uh, and then we had no. So, what was it like being on? I mean, what became a pretty? I mean, the kids' albums got them a ton of exposure. Yeah, a Grammy yeah. down the road. I mean, what was it like being a part of that first kids' album? It was more, you know, uncharted territory for them. So, what was that like? It was. It was. It was surprising when they said they wanted to do a kids' album. But then when I heard the songs, they were pretty much, they might be giant songs. And so why not? Yeah. <laughs> and we still kind of approached them same way. We didn't, you know, we didn't say, okay, we have to play simple and accessible things for the right. kiddies. Yeah. We just played yeah. them like we, we thought they should be played. And that's exactly what Marty said, because he, when he joined, um, so The Spine was his first proper release, but he said they were also recording the Here Come the ABC's tracks in some of the same sessions. Like, they'd be yeah. there for a full day, do some Spine tracks, do some ABC's tracks, and he's like, I, you know, I didn't, I could barely even tell any difference between what I was doing my drum tracks for, because I drummed them the same. Yeah, Exactly. And that's what makes them so good. Yeah, <laughs> the albums. Yeah. Uh, what? What? You know? What was your favorite uh, no track? My favorite. You had to pick. I'm gonna bring up the list so I can see. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> memories. Let's see. I'm looking and not talking. Um, no, that's fine. I can. It's not live. I'll cut out the dead air. <laughs> take take your or, time. Take your time. Or just leave it in and. Have frowny sounds coming over. <laughs> oh, well, well, that, that album was fun for the fact that they let Danny Weinkoff get a song on there, which was yeah. really neat. The the song "Where Do They Make Balloons?" Uh huh. Um, yeah, his uh, "I'm a Paleontologist" song is one of the biggest hits with my first graders. We do that. We've done that both years. They love it. Yeah. Uh, oh, clap your hands! I remember that was pretty fun. Yeah. And then this transitional period, like, because they do a robot parade and a clap your hands that are, like, live in a studio, you know, that they did for, I don't know if it was for a show or for the website, hmm. that Marty then drum on. Yeah, so okay. it's like, you guys, you keep, like, it's like a relay race. You're like, okay, yeah. you know, hand it off to you, dude. <laughs> it's pretty cool. That is. I think maybe my favorite drumming moment I know, and I was just, just flipping through it on the way home. I've got a, you know, a daughter, but she's only a year and a half old. I, I play her that they might be Giants albums, but... Not to the point where she's like singing along yet, you know. Probably she's saying very few words, but there was some really awesome hi hat stuff on. Oh, what am I? Oh, which one was it? Was it on four of two? 
there's some like 16th note, like two handed hi hat stuff you're doing. Some some interesting patterns. Was it four of two? Uh, uh, I can't remember. I, I but don't remember I mean, there's some great ones on here. But thank you. But we're uh, yeah, we're not here to talk <laughs> about these songs. But I must say that again, if you took the lyrics, the singing out of these songs, yeah, most of them you wouldn't be like, oh, that's a kid's song. I mean, yeah. There's a few, I don't know, like in the middle, in the middle. I mean, that one's a cover, but still, it does have kind of a... It's got kind of a kid melody, but still awesome. But most of the Johns... Written by Vic Mizzy, who I think also wrote the theme to Green Acres. If I'm not mistaken, that's who Vic Mizzy is, yeah. That makes sense. Before we jump back to talk about Rest a While, how did it come to be that you left... The Giants. That's that's the last thing we need to talk about. I know Marty said he came in and filled in for you. I don't know if you remember any details about that or how, you know, how was the, what was that transition like? How'd that go down? It just, it was a, it was the longest I've ever been in a band. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I was just kind of looking for other things to do. And... Uh, and I think it was just sort of a mutual, you know, maybe it's time yeah. to change things up. Because, you know, we'd, sure. we'd, we'd do things for a bit, then there'd be a couple, two, three months off, and then we get back together. So it's not like uh, we're, 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 we're scheduled to do something, and they said, that's it, you're gone. It was just, you know, right. we're going we're gonna to change things up. Mm. And it was fine. Okay. It was, yeah. I, I think everyone agreed it was, it was a good time to do that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what musically have you been up to since? I mean, I'm looking behind you. We've both got acoustical foam behind us yeah. on our video call here. <laughs> yes. What have you been up to since? I mean, it's been a while. It since has you been left a while. And um, uh, what uh, I, I mean, if you give us the, the Reader's Digest version, and I would be willing to drop in any sound clips or anything. I did that with Brian. If there's any projects you've done since then. You want me to uh, let the people hear? Yeah. What uh, What have you been up to since? Uh, what have I been up to since? Well, most recently, I'm I'm doing some some playing with Marshall Crenshaw, mm. and mm-hmm. that also was uh, was sort of sparked by Graham May because he was he's played with Marshall on and off for years. So when Marshall was looking for a drummer, he mentioned my name. Um, a few years ago, I was working with Sarah McLaughlin. Okay. Which was uh, definitely a change of pace from They Might Be Giants. Yeah. <laughs> a little more chill, a little less... A uh, little more chill, yeah. much more restrained <laughs> and yeah. polite, but it's, it's, it's nice to do different things. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, working on my own stuff that has still yet to see the light of day. Oh, songs that you've written? Yes. Ooh. Songs that I've written, so there's, and I'm in the process of Is there anything we can debut? <laughs> not, not unless I really podcast? get to work. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that, I'm not going to put any, anything on you there. But yeah. that, well, that sounds, that sounds cool. I mean, that, that stuff, you know, life, you know, you got so much life stuff to take care of that the, if something's more of a passion project, it's like it can take a while. Yeah. Well, that's... And, and you know, yeah, I've, I've been I've been in the music business a long time, and life sometimes does get in the way of of being a professional musician to the point where it's like, oh, look what I'm doing now. Uh, you know, it's 
it's fun and funny <laughs> and odd how changes happen and also just how the music business is changing too doesn't help yeah but uh no. <laughs> i i know i i still play as much as i can right and i still love to play actually i enjoy playing more than i ever did because i realize how lucky i am to get to do it at all in front of right. any amount of people so right it's yeah it's yeah I, I i got nothing to complain about oh that's great that's great yeah brian and i both being music teachers that was a fun conversation um just you know <laughs> you've got me who's played in a bunch of unnotable bands that nobody knows but i had a ton of fun yeah we did to we you know we've done tours i still do tours now and then not as many since the baby more like weekend jaunt type of stuff you know yeah and then you've got brian who <laughs> is in my favorite band yeah or two crucial albums i mean john henry and factory showroom yeah you know and then talking about being dads uh -huh. and teaching music to kids mm -hmm. it's awesome you know that's pretty no cool. complaints that's pretty yeah. damn cool yeah, and I, I consider myself lucky to be able to make music all day. You know, I have a variety, you know, from kindergarten to sixth grade, beginning band, a choir. Yeah. I come home, I talk about music on podcasts, mm -hmm. and I record music and have two bands. So, I'm, you know, it's pretty much all music until I get tired and then I watch some TV, you know. And uh, the babies made it onto a song. I did a cover of Birdhouse in Your Soul yeah. that she was on the floor while I was recording vocals <laughs> and I couldn't hear and then at the end of the track she's like eh, I <laughs> milk or something. Wasn't a review so, of the song, was it? The, the, eh. <laughs> well, she was hearing me acapella so maybe, oh. I don't know. Did you? Okay. <laughs> and the music really loud in my ears. So, eh. I'm like, okay, let's go upstairs, <laughs> get you a snack. But I left it on the track. There's a little guitar feedback and then you just hear <laughs> so it's it's awesome you know we're making music she's a badass bongo player nice Pe already. people will be wondering how you got that guitar sound at the end right yeah oh that's not feedback that's that's a crying baby special <laughs> technique i don't know yeah you really just gotta squeeze their belly just right <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's uh let's talk about rest a while what do you say let's talk about rest a while yeah let's uh let's not rest a while let's let's chat about a song that's pretty awesome and a deep cut mm -hmm. i mean it's it it really makes sense that you picked it being that it is the first they might be giant song you were on and it's a cool one i got some guys that were really excited about about it i have this guy who's adamant that as a whole the the Working Undercover for the Man EP is better than Mink Car. Now, to me, that seems crazy because it's a full-length versus an EP. But he's just he just loves that EP so much, yeah. and it is, it is great. It's the first track on there. Kicks it off with just this punk rock distorted guitar. Your drums are pretty aggressively hot in the mix mm -hmm. and As they should played be. hard. It sounds yes. like, to me, I want to hear about that snare drum. To me, it sounds almost like... I mean, it's kind of of the era, and then a lot of punk back then, and it was kind of coming off of like the ska punk thing. Snare drums were tuned tight; you were rim shot all the time. Yes, I mean there were guys that even had rototoms going on the rototoms. So it's definitely of the era of the era of stuff that I love. Uh huh. Um, so tell me about. Um, yeah, let's talk about the kit. Tell me about that drum kit and the choices you made. You're like, this is my first song for They Might Be Giants. How'd you approach it? 
as I remember it, uh, I, because of the nature of the song and where it went quickly. I, it was cool to hear the demo again. You sent me that link. And, and it was fun to hear. Yeah, and I'll go ahead for the people. I'll drop it in right now. I got rid of my jackets and coats. I threw away all of my pants. I got sick of my stinking clothes. I had to get rid of them. I'm not yet considering replacing them. I'm only glad to be rid of them. And rest a while, rest a while. like 32 seconds long right it's super cool though and that is the first thing i heard of the song and linnell brought that into the studio and said okay this is the song and then we kind of took it from there and uh it was quickly decided to uh, be loud and aggressive with it yeah and uh <laughs> i was all about that so uh that was a good way to go so that snare drum i used uh-huh. it's actually a four by twelve montanary stainless surgical steel snare drum <laughs> it's it i don't know if it's a one of a kind but there's very few of those i figured it wasn't a wooden snare it's, i knew no. it, like i have an i have an old aluminum ludwig yeah it's not a black beauty but it's it's a little shallower and it's it's got a very punk rock uh, sn- snap to it yeah and i figured it was metal but but surgical steel yeah and uh, and joe montanari who made it said he went through so many drill bits trying to get the holes through it to attach the lugs <laughs> which which was really kind of charming and they they actually yeah it's it's you know, it, i i want to mention too maybe you want to put this in a different place but the reason that i agreed to do this podcast and also the reason i went to see the giants recently was uh, John Perrin friended me on Facebook. He said he knows some mutual people. He said, I'm a big fan of yours. And I, mm-hmm. I you know, so we, we conversed a little on Facebook. And after a little while, he tells me he's the new drummer in NRBQ, which is w- mm. one of my favorite bands ever. Wow. And he tells me that he, he started listening to the They Might Be Giants and kind of fell in love with them at the time I, I started. And he absolutely loved the song Rest a While. And he asked me, he said, what is that snare drum? I've been trying to get that sound. <laughs> you got guys coming at you from all angles asking about this snare drum you used at, at, in 1990, you know. <laughs> 97, 98, yeah. That's hilarious. Which, <laughs> but it got me, and because I couldn't remember, I, I listened to the track again. And it made me realize, this was really good stuff. This was really fun. <laughs> yeah. And I just got very nostalgic and very reminiscent about the whole experience. I haven't really talked to the Johns over the years. Because of John Perrin and his interest, uh, I checked out the music again. And then I just called up uh, Hornblow Management because they were playing in my area. And I said, do you think uh, they'd mind if I came by to the show? So I did. And uh, I saw them play up at Daryl's house. And it was really nice. It was a really, really wonderful reunion. That's awesome. Yeah, that makes me really happy. Seeing that picture of you and Brian and Marty just all smiling there, arms around each other, I'm like, these dudes are so important to me as a drummer. <laughs> and, I mean, my favorite band as a drummer, you know, as drummers, we're always listening. We listen to the full song, 
But we're paying attention to the drums more than non-drummers, it, obviously. It can make or break it. Yes. Right, but what I'm saying is that, like, it, you know, you guys, all, all three of you have influenced my playing in a way. I might not be like, oh, well, I'm going to rip off that drum beat from Rest a while, but, but like, the, you know, techniques and, and stuff, you're like, that's a cool trick. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll borrow that little hi-hat thing, you know? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's the way one learns. And speaking of hi-hat stuff, the second verse of Rest a While. Yeah. It's just this crazy, you got some double stroke syncopated accent stuff going on the hi-hat there. <laughs> how, did, how did you even come up with that? I mean, for this song that's like, ah, it's driving, it's a punk song, and you're like, okay, I'm going to pull it back, but the hi-hat's still going to be nuts. I don't remember how it came about, but because it's essentially just the one the one thing, and then it repeats again, we've someone or we all decided this should be different we should approach it differently and uh-huh. i wouldn't be surprised if graham maybe came up with sort of his base approach first right and, okay and that was so so busy and melodic <laughs> that i thought okay i've got to pull back a little but then at the same time i want to play so so i figured well i can get away with a lot of hi-hat stuff yeah. and it just just to keep the energy intense because it, it does that song is fairly manic i just kind of i just kind of went for it it speaks to my manic side yeah. I will say. So the, it's i mean because it was i was listening to they might be giants and then all of this like california skate punk stuff yeah where the drums just like you know just like full bore all the time and i loved all the giant stuff but stuff like Dig My Grave, Stomp Box, this song, you know, those were the ones where I was like, oh yeah, like my two loves, the MF Giants and Punk Rock are coming together. <laughs> yeah. And then you got and then you got On the Drag. I mean, you've, uh, this EP is just great. I mean, that's like a punk song too. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty uh, aggressive. And yeah, I guess they were they were recorded right around the same time. So it was the, did you, the same uh, energy. Did you listen to to punk or anything heavier you know when you were uh coming up and learning to drum i'm never really into punk no um early on i was into mitch mitchell and, and bonham and ringo and uh sure and keith moon and An animal from the muppets <laughs> an animal from the muppets yes i was just listening to that dan hickey's actual drums that i mean Pretty awesome to have your name immortalized in one of the song titles, right? I know. That that was very nice. So cool. <laughs> that was fun. And Flansburg Flansburg stage banter is just classic. Like he's just got such a sharp wit and just like the stuff he says to like send you into each style. It's just it's they it's are great cra- yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're ridiculously smart and witty. John Bottoms back. 
Fox Machine, press six. For John Bonham, cellular phone, press seven. For John Bonham's pager, press eight. For Mitch Mitchell, press nine. For any song by Stevie Wonder from 1984 till now. Press 10. For Buddy Rich, press 11. It was just really, I, I learned, I learned very much about music and life, <laughs> hanging out with those guys. And it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's why people go to see them like a hundred times because yeah. it's not some scripted thing. Every night's the same. Yeah. They play every song the same way, every tour. It's like, no. It, yeah. They make it worthwhile. And I'm just happy, you know, being in the Midwest, I grew up in Chicago, went to college in um what's it i said that toddle in town yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> i'm not sure what it means i just like the sound wi- of it <laughs> a windy city that makes more sense uh, yeah i was from the suburbs you know but okay. uh let's tell you you know if the if you go down the wrong direction of street you know you got the grid system downtown that lake is, is just whipping at you um but then I, w- I went to college in rock island which is right on the iowa border i saw you play with them on the mink car tour uh-huh. that was the first time i saw the giants then i saw them again on the else tour 2007 so that was marty and then i saw him in 2018 on the i like fun tour and obviously still marty but um i'm finally going to be seeing them a fourth time living in lafayette indiana they don't always come through indiana uh-huh. you know indianapolis is where i saw them last but this flood thing is not coming through so it's coming to chicago and i was kind of waiting like are they going to announce an indianapolis one Oops, I missed the Chicago one. Yeah. Are they going to announce Indianapolis? Oops, I missed the second Chicago one. So Mr. Danny Weinkoff is putting me on his guest list. Oh, very nice. show. Excellent. And I'm just like, this <laughs> podcasting is like a legitimate thing now. I'm getting on it, guest list. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. Me and the wife are going, you know, we're going up to Chicago. Our parents are still there. I'll drop the baby off. Go have an awesome night. And, uh. That's so great that you got to see them in Pauling and, uh, and uh, 
I mean, what'd you, what'd you think of their set? It was great. They are so much fun. And it, it is the first time I ever got to see them live. What, what, not behind the kit. <laughs> well, that's not seeing them. That's being part of the show and sure. <laughs> staring at their butts. So that's a different Back, thing yeah. than actually seeing the show. It was great. No, so, they, so that's what John Linnell looks like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that guy. Seeing the back of his that's what the back of his hair looks it like. It was no, it was really a lot of fun. <laughs> it was great. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's really you know, fans were definitely in uh you know, all in agreement there that seeing you guys together, you know, as a band that's been going so long, sometimes you wonder why did this guy leave the band? What happened there? But just knowing that all you guys, you know, in that picture together it's just like, Yes, things are cool, things are right with the world. It's awesome, you know, it, great band, it, great people involved all through. It couldn't have been a warmer reception. It was really nice. I went, because they did two sets at Daryl, so I went between sets and was hanging out, and I think they ended up going on later than they were supposed to for the second set, because uh-huh, yeah. we were just reminiscing and just catching up, and, yeah. and it was really great. It was really nice. Like We really should get back out there. <laughs> at some point, I, th- I think someone started looking at the set list, or someone came in and said, uh, "Hey, we're doing the Quiet Storm segment." Marty, get the get the drum pads ready, <laughs> get the electronic pads ready. Uh, yeah, you know, I think I think the dream for me, and this would be hilariously awesome, would be to have all three of you up on stage at the same time, doing some sort of crazy drum. Maybe not drum off, but some sort of like stomp style, blue man group style, just massive I, it, percussion thing. That'd be fun. <laughs> it, it wouldn't surprise me if it happens. That, that's one thing that most drummers don't get to drum along with other drummers. Like when you see a band that has two drummers, it's like, whoa. Yeah. You know, or like two full kits. Like I've seen that a couple of times. It's amazing. It's a very different thing. It can be really great and it can be really awful. Depends on yeah, the other I mean, drummer. When it's good, it's it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. You have to really be listening, so it's it's not f- yeah. it's not for someone who's kind of playing by the numbers. You have right. to really be interacting and listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love it. I've actually not once but twice uh, recorded a song with a full drum track in each ear mm-hmm. on my own songs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you just mix mix a full kit in the right channel, full kit in the left channel, and they were both me, so I could. You know, I knew what I was going to play right. and fill in gaps between the parts. Oh, nice. It was so fun. But then the, we're looking at it. I mean, it's the digital era of recording, but it's like the tracks are just... You know, cause they got all, yeah. all the guitars and vocals double-tracked. I mean, it adds up. <laughs>
So for rest a while, yes. I think, you know, coming from a drummer's perspective is one thing, but I still would like to talk about, we've talked about the musical elements mm-hmm. quite a bit. What do you make of the lyrics of this song? <laughs> I got rid of my jackets and coats. I threw out all of my pants. What do you think is going on here? <laughs> um, I never listened for a specific meaning to They mm-hmm. Might Be Giant songs. I always just sort of accepted them as impressionistic paintings. Sure. Uh, which, which isn't always the case. Some of them are, are fairly specific. But I just kind of let the, the lyrics wash over me and the phrases catch me however they might. That's, you know, I get that from a lot of fans, too, and you'd think that for a band that's so smart and witty that people, you know, on the, on the, Wikipedia, on the wiki page, there's an interpretations tab where people can <laughs> submit what they think. Yes. And that's, you know, and that's a big part of what this podcast is, but the fun thing is that we never rarely, you know, except for something like James K. Polk, we know what that's about, but we rarely will totally agree and be like, well, I always kind of thought of it like this, I thought of it like this, yeah. and then a lot of people are like you where they're like, you might appreciate a phrase or a rhyme or a rhythm of the lyrics, but you're not like dissecting it like a surgeon you know no. and it could go either way yeah yeah and uh my favorite at one point i remember Linnell talking about some interpretation here he heard of a fan's version of or vision of what dr worm was about uh-huh. and it was really fun to see him hear this and and think oh that's kind of cool <laughs> maybe it should yeah. be about that <laughs> and it's dr worm yeah dr worm being my f- favorite thing my giant song like i told you that was episode three of the podcast and my wife was my uh guest for that one uh-huh. and because like i said we've covered that song so she played bass and trumpet on it and you know sang backups and so it was it was a really fun one to talk about because she she's a professor uh-huh very smart woman she's a spanish professor see i'm only smart with music nothing else <laughs> my brain doesn't have any room for anything else it's good to specialize <laughs> Right. And she's very specialized too, but also we met in band. I played trombone, she played French horn in college. So go figure. Um, but the the conversation we had there, we were still kind of figuring out what the podcast was going to be. But I feel like that's an episode where we really locked in. And me and my wife, people were like, You and your guests had really good chemistry. I'm like, Well, we've been married for 14 years, so I hope so. <laughs> if not yet, probably not going to happen. And playing bands together, so yeah. that's you know that that's a whole other level of you know working together as an artistic uh, element. But that's very intimate. Dissecting, yeah, it is. Um, she tends to be the lyricist. I tend to be the uh, our music arranger, and that's exactly what our specialties are. I went to school in theory and do this. I do music every day, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of like you, where I'm like, these lyrics are awesome. Well, what do you think they're about? I don't know. <laughs> it's well, you know, th- there's. And with songs, some songs, the lyric and the music have exactly the same sort of emotional content. That's often not the case, and it doesn't have to be, because I've worked with some songwriters who insist that you really need to know the lyric to be able to play the song. Uh-huh. I, I appreciate that, and I will do that when it's requested, but I really don't think that's true, because there are songs that I absolutely love that what they make me feel really has nothing to do with what the lyric is saying. Yep. And so the music itself is, develop, is delivering a different emotional message than the lyric. And that's totally fine, and that's totally valid. So you don't really, 
you know, everything doesn't have to revolve around the lyrics. People who write yeah, I, lyrics I think that more than musicians, because that's the world they're, they're used to. Which is why, uh, you know, that also kind of gets into why rock criticism is so often about the lyrical content, because these are people who are more into words than they are music necessarily. And so that's right. the world they think everything speaks through. Right, and and before I started podcasting, I also have a Midwestern music podcast called Best Midwestern, and I've been doing stuff trying to highlight, you know, the flyover states, you know, being a Midwesterner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been doing that for years, but before that I was just a reviewer at Punk News. I mean, back to the Mink Car days, I think I went on staff in 2002, and I'm still, you know, doing podcasting for them. And while it was mostly punk, there's a lot of indie rock and all the different show- sub-genres and such. Yeah. Um, and my reviews... I don't know if anyone ever really criticized my reviews for it, but I was always like, wait, I should probably say something about the lyrics because it was mostly just like, oh, the guitars, you know, the drop tuning here, oh, it's so heavy, you know, the layering, the vocal harmonies. I'd talk about the melody or the vocal harmonies, but then I'd be like, I should probably find some lyric to put in here. Yeah. I was the opposite. Yeah. My, I mean, and this is one, I went back and listened to it and was like, oh, right, this song kicks ass. It not being on Minkar, you know, not being on... It should have been on Minkar. I mean, this yeah. song is so good. It just didn't get as many spins or kind of got, you know, pushed to the side. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad to do this podcast for this reason. Be like, oh, yeah, this song. And it's just the lyrics. I don't know what to make of them either other than it's someone... To me, it feels like someone who has some sort of problem where... I don't know if it would necessarily be drug-related, but where people feel like they have, like, things on their skin, things are crawling on them, something like they need to get their clothes off. Like, that's something that'll happen to... People have some sort of mental break or something, and they feel like their clothes are strangling them. You know, it's a very intense thing. And John Linnell makes it kind of... um, Sings it in kind of a more lighthearted way, so you're not, like, saddened by it, which is something that the Johns do very well. Yeah. But to me, it sounds like someone's like, ah, get these clothes off of me. I got to get rid of them. I don't know why. You know, I'm not yet considering replacing them. I'm only glad to be rid of them. It's Right? And and then the second verse, I lay out in the sun too long and burned off all of my skin. I mean, it's just these weird feelings that would be, like, in your head. Like, obviously, the skin really isn't burning off. But there's something that they're thinking that they're dizzy they got into an accident something is going on in their brain the chemically the, something the broke. narrator is not a comfortable person no <laughs> what what is making them uncomfortable i don't think we can say unless they are literally covered in bugs and burning right and i, I Linnell loves writing about people being injured or dying <laughs> and you know <laughs> i mean I mean, you also played some drums on the, the, the State Song album, which just had its 20th anniversary. And stuff like, um, wait, were you on South Carolina? I don't know. But, you know, it's about a bike wreck. You know, okay. he loves b- people getting hurt. And out of the burning wreckage, I fell, wanting only to lay there where I fell and rest a while. Yeah. So if it's a literal car accident or not, this guy is not feeling right in the head. He, I've gotten to a car wreck and just wants to lay there. You know, I just, I just need to rest. <laughs> and uh, Roy Lopez is an interesting 
thing. I had to look up who that was. I, I should have. Spanish priest. <laughs> a Spanish priest from the 16th century. Oh, that guy. Who wrote a, bo- who wrote a book about chess. Okay. Right. Yeah. The, oh, that guy. You know, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, everyone knows who that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Roy Lopez, the author of works on chess. Roy, I said you're incorrect. He cut me off and acted mad. We won't. He he won't even talk to me now. But I don't care because I'm sick of that guy <laughs> and I need to rest a while. The lyrics are genius. I have no idea what he's talking about, especially in that third verse. But again, something is in this guy's brain. He's thinking there's he he liked chess, but there's something he read. Linnell, he thinks he's Linnell talking to this ge- guy. Yeah. Linnell is a genius. He, his mind is is an incredible thing to witness. I I think I think maybe, um, it, the song. Overall, it's just the concept of every once in a while you need to take a step back. And these are just little mm. scenarios where that would be the case. And little interesting yeah. scenarios. Yeah, you know, maybe it's time for this guy to like take some deep breaths, maybe do some meditation, yeah. man, because uh, yeah. he's a little worked up. Or, you know, go to the doctor for a while. <laughs> maybe yeah. there's something, maybe there's some medication that can help you. You know, yeah. we all have our issues. Mm-hmm. You feel like your clothes need to be, you need to be rid of all your clothes and lay out in the sun till you yeah. burn to a crisp. You probably should seek a, a mental, you know, a health professional. Well, you should. And, you know, mental health is important. You, you've got to get an interview with Linnell and ask him what the song's about. Dude, help me out. I'm trying. <laughs> I've, I, I'm not the I've one been to talking help you. to Pete. Mar- Marty, Marty is a. Is is much in in much closer contact these days than I am. Yeah, I mean, I've had Danny on three times, and you know, I've talked to Pete now and then, and offered, you know, I offered, you know, if Linnell wants to do some sort of special sort of press for the vinyl, they just put out vinyl uh, state songs on vinyl oh, for the cool. 20th anniversary. I'm on. Yeah, I'm on a number of those green vinyl. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. It's it's you know another. Brian's on a couple. I know I talked to him about Maine mm-hmm. with the big bass drum uh, on there. It's another, yeah, like Linnell just be like, hey, all you guys come play on this album, which it's a great album. Yeah. And I pitched to Pete. I'm like, hey, you know, I figured I'd ask him like every six months. You know, I'm persistent. Uh-huh. I'm like, hey, Pete, just just check it in again. You know, if Linnell wants to talk about state songs in particular. Do you have the, here? Do you have the copy of it that's actually shaped like the United States? I do. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course I cool. do. <laughs> I've got one of those yeah, somewhere. The Montana single with Louisiana on the back. Uh, yep. Uh-huh. My record my record player doesn't like it. The arm just wants to bounce back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like that's too close to the label. That's not right. I'll tell you this this song uh I think the only thing we need to uh do is drop in these couple of clips. There's the Did you watch the live clip? I did that watch I sent you? That's definitely me. Yeah, that's my uh Yeah. my 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 turquoise DW drum kit. I don't know if I'm using the same snare on that live show as I did on the record. And, uh-huh. and on that video, I can't tell, because that, yeah. <laughs> that is some, like, artistically horrible video quality. That's Yeah, that's but pretty, the sound is good enough. The sound's good, yeah. That I think, you know, that's what I think about in podcast terms when I'm looking on YouTube. If I'm going to find a live video, I look for one that's shot from the balcony or something, you know, so it's not just... yeah. And, you know, for that one, it's like, yeah, it's shaky as heck, but, like, the banter, too, like, the John's just being, like, basically, like, this might suck, mm-hmm. but it's awesome, you know, but, they, you know, that self-deprecating, like, hey, we're testing out this song on you hundred, you know, couple thousand guinea pigs, you know, it's, yeah. it's just, it's funny. And, yeah, so we'll let people listen to that. I'll drop that in. Okay. Massachusetts, we want to invite you out to that. 
we're, we're not going. We're just going to give you a, a brief glimpse of uh, a bunch of stuff that we're working out. You know, doing some uh, warm-up shows in front of a few thousand people. You know, checking out new songs, hanging out, jamming, goofing around on stage in front of millions. So uh, here we go. This is a brand new song. We played it. It's the third time we played it, and it's called Rest a While. The song was inspired by the years of touring we've undergone as part of research for this one particular song. It's called Rest a While. Then there's only one cover of this song. Are, are you dropping that in right here? I'll drop it in a post. Boom. Right there? It's in. Okay. So so now I'm going to react to it. Wow. <gasps> wow. We, we were pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty intense. And, and you know, all, all, that, that, all that visual squiggle and stuff, we did that live. That wasn't a, that wasn't a problem <laughs> with the camera. Yeah, that wasn't the camera. You guys were just jiggling around. We got into this multi-dimensional <laughs> light altering thing. It, 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 you just got absorbed into the song. You yeah, got in the mindset that's what it of was. Guy. We, we were being the lyrics. We, we were truly... Well, ripped off your clothes. If you watch that video, you will totally understand what that song really means. Luckily, the camera cut, but we all ended up naked. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't cut too close. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, you got the drums protecting you, so that's what you know, they're for. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, to to hide to hide your shame, the <laughs> and protect my pride. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, so th so this cover. Um, let me just bring it up for myself real quick. His name is Adam Rivera. He put together this cover album called They. Mm -hmm. It was a big thing because I think, you know, he paid for licensing and all that so he could do hard copies. He did CD copies. Yeah. Where you see, uh, there's a million covers of the MIP Giants songs online, and I love digging for them for every episode. Um, but, like, to actually make a physical CD, like, that was a whole other step. Um, I mean, we paid the Giants $45 to put Dr. Worm on our cover album. I want to be above board. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And <clears throat> he's putting together another one that's going to be. Excuse me, a double disc where one is all Linnell songs, yeah. covers of Linnell songs, and one is all covers of Flans songs. Yeah. And this cover of Rest a While, um, let me see, uh, Jordan Cooper and let me, what was the woman's name? They basically do, it's almost like a shoegaze version. I'm not sure <laughs> if you're familiar with the genre of shoegaze. And the massive guitars and reverb that go along with it. I, you know, I'm talking about I, all those UK bands yes, in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah and th I'm a big fan of that stuff. So to hear a version where they stretch it out, I mean, the song's a minute and a half long, and they stretch it out to three minutes. Mm -hmm. um, 
with this big, big, just filling out the whole song, making it, it still sounds kind of punk to me, but just like really loud in a different way. Yeah. So this, they call the band Sally, yeah. but it, there's no name Sally in the band. It's Kristen Gudsnuck. I'm sorry, Kristen, if I'm saying that wrong. And Jordan Cooper. thought it was very cool and it was fun hearing the song stretched out they did it slower yeah. which made it a little longer right there and uh just as a drummer i like the uh the backwards backbeat in the verse oh yeah <laughs> I, i've loved that since i first heard the song money by uh, uh. Oh, was it barrett strong that did the first version the beatles did it too we we're in the verse the, uh -huh. the toms are essentially backwards doing a backbeat backwards. right and Sunshine of Love does that, too. It was harder to do in the tape era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool thing. And so, no, it was it was nice to hear that they they tried to do some different yeah. things with it. That was cool. I actually started a record. I started a record with that once, one of my old bands. Because mm -hmm. it started with just like a... It was basically just like a pickup note, like a big flam on beat four. Yes. But we had it just go <laughs> up into the <laughs> I think we put a cowbell reversed on there on top of it as well. <laughs> the much maligned cowbell. So I had a little bit of that pitch to it, so I was like... <laughs> and, and that very definitive end. Yeah. So, yeah, good job to uh, Sally. Yeah. And uh, this cool. is a great version. I love shoegaze, and it's just, it, again, it's putting together giants in a genre I love mixing it up i like covers that aren't just aren't just by the book so i'm a fan of that and that's the only cover i can find oh, okay yeah dr worm is like we had to pare it down to 10 you know it's like there's so many covers is that right 
we added to it. You know, we did huh. one. But yeah, I mean, you know, the hits have tons. So um, if if I ever do a cover of Doctor Worm, I'm I'm I too am going to get Zach Alford to play drums on it. <laughs> you you should both do it. One in the right channel, one in the left. Uh oh. <laughs> there you go. Hey, just kidding. I found another cover. This is Greg coming to you in post. Excuse my voice. I have a cold. It is 6.12 a.m. on the day this is posting, and I'm still in my first cup of coffee. So, how did I miss Daryl Till, Mr. Astral B? He's going to be appearing on the next episode of this show. Of course, he did a cover of Restoile back nine years ago. Let's listen to Daryl play it. Again, Daryl, see you on the next episode. So the last segment of this, and even though you drummed on this song, I did this to Brian for Bells Are Ringing, I'm going to make you score this song. Now, here's how it works. It's a score of 1 to 10, or 0 to 10. I'm, this song is nowhere near a 0. That uh, just in the They Might Be Giants canon. So uh-huh. um, it doesn't even, you know, even if your favorite They Might Be Giants song is one that you didn't play on the studio version, but... One, you know, was this one of your favorite ones to play live or comparing it to what your oh, favorite ones okay. were to record or play live? One to ten, and you can use decimals to make it more specific. Okay. What do you think? Rest a while. Oh, oh, that's the song. Um, <laughs> I thought you were throwing a song at me that oh, I no, wasn't no, no. Rest a currently while. talking about. Uh, now that we've discussed it. In the pantheon the music, the of They Might Be Giants. Let's see. Um, you know, it being something I played so early on, and mm-hmm. I really do like the way it came out. And, and it was yeah. fun to play live, and I felt really honest and connected with the song, even not knowing what the lyrics are about. Um, sure. I give it a good solid eight and a half. Yeah. Yes. Only because I'm hedging my bets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I usually end up going lower than my guests because I have to leave a lot of headroom for scoring the other 500 songs. <laughs> yes. You know, right. or more. So, but I don't know. I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. This one, like, doing, you picking it rekindled my love for this song because, like I said, it wasn't on Mink Car, so it just didn't get as many plays. And now I'm like, why haven't I been listening to this song daily for years? And... I, you know what? I am going to go 
Gotta leave a little bit of headroom, but I'm gonna go a solid 8.1. There you go. Great song. Great drum performance. I mean, come on. Thank you. It's amazing. Okay, so who tells us the correct answer, and then we know who's who's closest without going over? <laughs> well, you know what we can do? On the wiki, people can score songs. Oh, there we go. And we can find out where it's ranked in the Pantheon. So, oh, whoa. I out of, so there's 910 songs listed, but that is including... If a demo version was released, right. a live version was right. released. So that, that pads it quite a bit. But still, hundreds of songs. Rest of a While is currently ranked 77. Hmm. 77 out of hundreds All right, so that's, of songs. That's seven point something. So, oh, out of hundreds. So it's ranked at 77. It is an average of 8.94. Oh, out of the so I win. Scored it. <laughs> yes, you were closer, right? Price is right rules. You Yay! didn't go over. <laughs> Come on down. Oh, my goodness. I think that's a perfect place to wrap this up. Okay. So is there anything you'd like to plug? I mean, you said you're working on songs, but nothing can be revealed yet. <laughs> if you're if you're ready in a year or whatever yeah. to have a song on the show, the, come back out. I, I'll do that. We'll talk about another song and promote your stuff. Yeah. Is there anything you like to plug? People find you on social media, anything like that? I am on Facebook way too often. As most of us are. Mm-hmm. Under the name Dan Hickey. And I, I welcome taking on new friends that I can quickly argue with and then unfriend. <laughs> In this political cycle, it's, that happens a lot it, for a lot of people. I've gotten comfortable with it, though. And uh, honestly, I've met a lot of people I've come to really like on Facebook. And I've gotten to know people I thought I liked and realized I don't. So it's, oh, I, it's a mixed thing. I'm looking at your Twitter account right now. You haven't tweeted for a year. No, I don't tweet but, much. It's Facebook, mostly. That's my... Right. But you've got a classic here. So it's at Dan Hickey Drums. Mm-hmm. Your, la- your last tweet, December 20th, 2018. Hey, Twitter, if you ever had good cause to suspend someone's account, this Donald Trump guy is freaking nuts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I stand that. by that. Oh, yeah, I stand by that, too. That's... That is a fantastic tweet. I'm going to retweet it to the podcast account right now. <laughs> Thank you. I just tweeted something out about going to an Elizabeth Warren uh, sign-up. Like, in Indiana, we have to, like, get her on the ballot for the primaries by really? signing a clipboard, which is ridiculous. That's funny. And I tweeted about it through my personal or through my band account and yeah. through this. And I'm like, I just lost three followers. Good riddance. <laughs> Pe- people can be a little a little oversensitive. I know. I don't post a bunch of political stuff, but no. the Johns are very liberal and they make that known on their social media. I know. So I figured the majority of their fans are probably on the left side of the dial. But I think it's safe to whatever. say. Which is also yeah. why I was in the band for close to seven years. I like to be in around them. They sound fantastic, and hopefully someday I will get to talk to them. My dream, I've told this to most of the guys I talk to, that is to get John Linnell to talk about his favorite Flans song. And get ah, Flans to talk about his favorite Linnell excellent. song. Yeah. We'll see if I can make it happen. If not, I'll have him on for any reason. So, Pete. It is so, so many years of them doing songs. It's got to be really difficult to pick. Definitely. What Definitely. is... Because it was funny seeing them live now. The rest of the show was all new stuff. New stuff. Like, over the past 15 years, right? the new stuff, it's over such a long period of time. Yep. Th- they did a couple songs that, that were familiar to me from, from my, my tenure. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, th- that's, it's an incredible body of work. They've never slowed down. 
Yeah, I know. And they have they have done it in a way I don't think anyone else really has. And it's really impressive and it, it's an admirable oh, yeah. thing. And they, they've done oh, it yeah. on their terms. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, props to them. And there's... You've got to respect that. There's a reason that uh, their fans tend to be rabid. Uh, rabid child. Rabid fans like myself. Yeah. Because uh, there's just so much to latch on to and so much to love. It's, uh, you know, they never leave you hanging. They never leave you, uh, dr- you know, the well is never drive new material. Something's always coming. Mm-hmm. Cool tours, yeah. new songs coming out. It's just, it's it's been unbelievable. And this podcast has been great getting to explore songs that, you know, a lot of people like to, the super fans like to pick these deeper cuts. So, like, rest sure. a while, you know, I'm kind of surprised I hadn't been scooped up yet by one of these other super fans, but that was a perfect one to pick. And I'm glad that it got me listening to it, like, you know, 20 times in the past couple of days. So. <laughs> and, and you can thank super fan John Perrin, the drummer with NRBQ. Amazing. I uh, maybe you can give me his contact. Maybe he'd like to be on the podcast. He might. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. So uh, yeah, let's talk. Then. He's yeah. he's up in Chicago. So Great. He's, yeah. Uh, cool. Midwestish. My, my city. Yeah. Heck yeah. So I think we'll wrap it up there. And okay. thanks again, Dan. Dan Hickey. Everybody. I am. It was my pleasure. Yeah. I'll, it was an honor to talk to you. It was fun. Like I said, I've been listening to you drums since I was eighteen. <laughs> it was about when you joined the band. I'm 38 now, so, I mean, I've been listening to your drumming, you know, even after you left the band, I'm still jamming on those records, hearing you drum forever, you know? Those are going to last. Those songs last, so. It's nice to know. There you go. So, thanks again. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, hopefully, talk to you soon. All right. Greg, coming at you again in post, I've got one quick addition, a little bit of a mailbag at the end of the episode. It made more sense to put it here. With the way uh, this episode started, I posted the John Darnielle uh, from the Mountain Goats. I posted the Apartment 4 episode link not only on the Team BG uh, subreddit, but also the Mountain Goats subreddit, and got a really good response there for the most part. And then a uh, Reddit user, Uncle Jack Deserved It, <laughs> said, the crossover between Team BG and the Mountain Goats is quite large. I even did a mashup of Anna Ng and Dilladid on my YouTube channel. Dilladid is a great Mountain Goats song off the album The Sunset Tree. One of his biggest albums, as I said, on the medley I played uh, on the last episode. So uh, he sent me a link. And four years ago, he did this uh, little mashup. Going back and forth between the two songs. Uh, Uncle Jack deserved it. His name is actually Dave Thomas. Uh, he runs, ran Wendy's and is dead. Uh, just kidding. He's got to be a different Dave Thomas. But he has this cool black and white video of him playing the two songs, which happen to have the same chord progression. Anna Ng and Dilladid. And uh, the Anna Ng episode was over a year ago, but I don't care. I'm going to play this because of the connection to the Mountain Goats. So here's... Dave, check it out.
delicate balance is shifting Round your gloves and your black pumps Let's pretend the fog is lifting My apartment looks upside down from here Water spirals the wrong way out the sink And her voice is a backwards record It's like a whirlpool and it never ends everyone for listening uh i'm gonna start doing a little credit section so hey this might be a podcast is produced by myself greg simpson hosted by myself greg simpson uh we are part of the punknews.org podcast network this might be a podcast is not affiliated in any way with they might be giants we just really love them i really love them my guests really love them that's why we are all here. So thanks for listening. Find me on Twitter at this might be a pod. Email me. This might be a pod at Gmail. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram now, which is this might be a podcast with all underscores between the words. I think you'll find it if you just search this might be a podcast. Voicemails. I need some voicemails on new listeners that are out there. Got a lot of new followers on Twitter. Thank you to all of you. Uh, call in with thoughts about episodes, even if it's an episode that was like a year and a half ago. Scott Parks, a new Facebook friend of mine, I've never met in person, uh, he messaged me and said, Hey man, really enjoying This Might Be a Podcast. I've never been a big TMBG fan, parentheses, I know the hits from Flood and that's basically it. Now I find myself listening to the song several times before listening to the episode. What a great band. Thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for writing, Scott. I love that kind of stuff, and I've heard that a lot, that I'm helping to nurture the love of They May Be Giants and make uh, casual fans into super fans uh, like myself. So I think Scott's on his way. And then he left a little message about the Istanbul, not Constantinople episode, which I recorded last uh, Thanksgiving of 2018. He said, dude, your parents talking and laughing about uh, SNL's sweaty balls had me laughing out loud in Walmart of all places. I probably fit in like one of the misfits walking around that store laughing to themselves. Full disclosure, I was listening on my AirPods, not just laughing randomly about something I'd heard earlier. <laughs> I'd forgotten that that clip had been put in the episode. One of my parents' favorite SNL clips. And he loved, he said, I love your dad's history lesson too. Classic dad move. Something I would totally do, to be honest. Yes, and so I sent that to my parents. They loved that. They had a lot of fun there. And now they're going to do the Roy G. Biv episode. Because that's one of the favorites of my nieces. uh, Who are a little older and um, love singing that song. So, you're going to hear my parents on an episode again sometime this spring. Thanks again, everybody. Peace out. 
Uh, so leave, leave me voicemails. What's that number? I don't know. I never know. 224-801-2930. Okay. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, bye-bye. I'm sick of that guy